Warren Ingram. He is a personal financial advisor, executive director at Galileo Capital. It is that time of the year again, Warren Ingram, uh, where people start you know, going pale and running around and panicking because they've not kept their financial affairs in order. They've not been keeping a, a good eye on their income and expenditure. Um, they are a little bit slack, hate forms, um, and are thinking, oh my goodness gracious me, I've got to do my taxes again. Um, and they, they get into a bit of a state. Um, is there any reason to be in a bit of a state? I'm not sure about being in a state. I think the, the, one should feel a little bit motivated right now to to take advantage of all of the, um, well, not all, but the very few uh, nice tax advantages we get as taxpayers. You know, n- nowadays, there are not many ways for us to legally uh, avoid paying tax and, and, and to get any kind of benefit from, from SARS is very difficult. Um, and, and so, you know, people who haven't taken the full benefits that are on offer, uh, I think they should be feeling a bit of pressure now to 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 get their house in order and, uh, and get get the, get these advantages as fast as they can. No, I mean these advantages are, um, and, and the governments don't like to look after people in their old age. They'd like to look after as few as possible, um, and they want to encourage you to be able to look after yourself in your old age. And I suppose one of the most obvious things is um, ensuring that you're maximising as much as you possibly can afford any sort of pension payments that you can make in order to one boost your savings over a, a longer period of time and build some uh, some nice momentum and, and get some nice compounding growing in a pension fund. And um, at the same time, reducing the amount of money that you need to pay tax on. Absolutely, and you know, I think uh, there kind of been quite a lot of debates in the last few years in the in the media about uh, retirement funds, whether we should contribute or not, because government's going to nationalise the funds and you know through, through prescribed assets, and it's all going to go into the black hole of ESCOM and Transnet and the like. Um, and I think it's, that's caused a lot of damage to the retirement fund savings of people because people have either just cancelled contributions or, or, or reduced them as much as possible. And, and I feel that, uh, you know, as time goes on, we, we're starting to understand that, 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 I mean, it would be really nice if we could just get an official statement to say that's never going to happen. But, but what we're hearing more and more from, from various people within government and the ANC is, you know, prescribed assets is off the table, in, in which case people should really reconsider their views on, on contributing to retirement funds. In, you know, at the moment, we're allowed to contribute up to 27.5% of the taxable income that we earn every year to retirement funds to get a tax benefit. Uh, and, and yes, you know, for, for people who really earn a lot of money, uh, pretty much all the cabinet ministers, you know, they're, they're only allowed to contribute to a maximum of 350000 to retirement funds. But, but the point is that money that you contribute to retirement fund, it, it reduces your tax by a lot. And secondly, uh, you, you now start uh, getting tax-free savings on the money that's, that's inside your retirement funds. Uh, what do I mean by that? A retirement fund pays no income tax, no capital gains tax, no dividends tax. So while it's while the money's inside, it's going, it's growing as fast as possible, without any kind of friction from from tax. And and so to me, that's a, a, a very significant advantage that we should be taking uh, in a now for, as, as taxpayers. I just you know, if you earn rent or you earn interest, obviously if you earn a salary, uh, if you earn contract uh, you know income and the like, you know this is something that you should be doing to build up your financial independence. As you say, you, you know, we, we can't really rely on a state to do that for us. We need to do it ourselves. And, and this is one very effective way to do that. Uh, a lot of people find it very, very offensive, however, though, that you have to comply with Regulation 28 of the Pension Funds Act. Um, and that is a requirement that says that a maximum of 
thirty percent um, of your of of your investments can go outside the country, can go offshore investments. The vast majority has to be tied up in South Africa. And one of the reasons why people have got so allergic to this idea of putting money into pension funds or into retirement annuities is that South Africa's performance has been so abysmal for so long. Yes, we bounced last year. We've had a, a, a lickety split start to 2021. Uh, but the nature of many South African investors is one of immense negativity towards South Africa and the JSE. I've never heard lickety split as a way to describe investments. That's fabulous. Uh, I, Write I, I it down. Think, uh, Use it. Uh, you'll make money. I'm going to steal it if you don't mind. Yeah. Of course. Uh, so, so, so I, I think a couple of points. One, uh, the rand hedging aspect of retirement funds is a big issue. But just to understand, you know, you, you can use your 30%, as you say, within the retirement funds. And, and then if you look at, you know, a large chunk of the JSC itself is, is also rand hedged. You know, if you look at companies like Richmond and Nasparis and British American Tobacco and Anglo's, um, you know, Billiton, Glencore, they, they earn, uh, um, AB and Bev is the big one I'm thinking of at the moment, and, and they earn the bulk of their money outside of South Africa. And, and, and largely, you know, in one form or another, dollar-denominated income. So, so you know, I think when you look through the, the average retirement fund, uh, you probably find that about 50% of that fund is, is rand-hedged in one way or another. Uh, and as emerging markets start to come back in favor again, uh, you know, that's why we're seeing that lickety split start to the year is, <laughs> you know, we're seeing the, 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 the interest in, in all emerging markets uh, picking up and that that's helping uh, the JSC and obviously the RAND. So, yes, you, you know, we have got a, a, a limitation, but truthfully, I'm seeing more and more fund managers now, you know, South African fund managers starting to downweight their overseas allocation in favor of South African assets. So in other words, the fact that they're allowed to send 30% out, they're actually uh, below that. You know, I've, I've seen sort of 25, 28% yeah. levels at the moment. So what it's telling you is that the professionals who have the scope to, to go further are not. They're actually, in fact, saying we see better opportunities elsewhere. That, that's, that's an important thing to understand. And, and when you talk to these fund managers, uh, and, and not really about a moment in time, but you say to them over a decade, you know, what, what sort of allocation would you have for a South African resident? A lot of them would say that that 30% number is close to optimal. You know, maybe it should be 35, maybe it should be 40, but, but they're not saying it should be 70% offshore. So yes, that's a concern, but I, I don't think that's the reason to avoid retirement fund contributions because the tax benefits actually outweigh that, uh, that, that issue that, uh, of, of the offshore capacity. Okay, I mean, that's important because a lot of people are going to say, look at, look at this and say, you know what, I've been reading, I've been listening, um, the Briar conversations are all about, you know what, just pay the tax. Pay the tax. If you owe SARS 100,000 rand in tax in order to get that as a benefit or to, or to zero that, you need to invest 150,000 rand in an RA, rather pay the tax, Take the fifty thousand that you would have put it that uh, of the hundred and fifty you would have put into an RA and put it offshore. Put it anywhere. Just don't keep it in South Africa, because nasty government is going to steal it from you. And and if you know if you if you are really concerned about uh, about this issue and, and you you say well look I'm, I, I just I can't bring myself to to maximize my retirement capacity then by all means you know, reduce your capacity somewhat, you know, still make the contribution, still get the tax advantage to a point, and then then at least invest another portion of the money, you know, outside of your your, your retirement fund that, that builds up your offshore allocation. And I think that's the point is, you know, it, you shouldn't view your retirement fund as your only saving, your only form of investment. If you want to get more, more offshore, there are other ways of, of doing that very efficiently. 
Okay, let's talk about other, I mean, tax-free savings accounts. I mean, this is after-tax money. So this is money that you've got in your bank account. You've done your retirement annuity. Uh, and now there is hopefully a little bit of money left. And you talk about boosting other investments. So, you know, these tax-free savings accounts, the world's worst, most misnamed investment opportunity. Um, talk to me about that. Well, I think the, the so just to explain the structure very very quickly. You're right. You you don't get a tax benefit for, for from SARS for making a contribution. However, every cent that you put in there is going to be completely free of tax while the money's invested and when you take it out one day. So so while you're making these contributions, uh, you, you know the money will grow. And, uh, and you'll pay no dividends tax, income ca- tax, capital gains tax. And then one day when you decide to draw the money out and it's grown and doubled and doubled again, uh, you pay no capital gains tax or <laughs> any other form of such tax. such an optimist. You're such an optimist. I am. And the, the, the only things to know about this is that uh, you, you're only allowed to do 36,000 rand a year as a, as a contribution. You can't do more than that. And, and you've got a lifetime allowance of 500,000 rand. And that's, a, that's an important thing to understand because money that you put in, you can't draw out and then say, well, hang on, you know, I, I, I grew my, my investment to 400,000. I needed 100,000 for a car, but I've saved again. Can I add the 100,000 back? Unfortunately, what you take out, you lose. So, so that's an important thing just to say that this is, it's a great investment. It's completely liquid. In other words, if you, if you made the contribution now and you needed the money in three weeks' time, you could you can access it. There are no penalties. You won't pay taxes or anything like that, but you are going to lose the capacity. So it's an ideal long-term savings uh, investment. And then just to understand, you're right, it's got a terrible name. So, so people think that it you know, can only be for bank accounts and fixed deposits and the like. That's not true. Uh, you, you can buy anything from a fixed deposit right up to shares to, you know, a, a global ETF. In, and, and that's really my point around. So, and but here, here's, the, here's the great opportunity. So you're not taking your rands and converting them to dollars and then finding an account offshore to put the money into. You're keeping your rand in South Africa. This is a South African investment. You're putting your money in South Africa. You're keeping it in South Africa. But you can buy with a tax-free savings account assets offshore. So if you're worried that your retirement annuity is not giving you enough offshore, you can take cash and get that exposure internationally in South Africa. Exactly right. And, and I think, you know, and it, it can be anything from a quite a narrow sort of very specific kind of an index. You know, if you just want to, I'm not recommending it. I think it's a bad call now, but you could buy a tech index. Uh, you know, you could buy a global, uh, you know, world stock market index. You can buy a global uh, unit trust that, you know, that, that's managed by fund managers, you know, balanced funds and the like. So, so, so you've got a massive range of uh, options there. And, and I think these two investments work uh, very well together. So, so for people who say, look, you know, you, I hear your arguments, but you're not going to convince me to put every cent of my savings in retirement funds. Then what I would say is do at least one for one. You know, you, you know, make sure that you that you're getting the capacity from retirement funds. You you are using it, but also that you are topping up your tax-free savings. And if you've got six thousand rand a month to save. Please, you know, fill out your tax-free with 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 three a month, and then do your retirement fund with three a month. You know, if you've got more than that, obviously you can't do more in the in the tax-free. Then keep going in your your retirement fund until you hit that cap. But the point is, uh, the, these are the two big ones. I think that that get offered to us every year. The two big opportunities that that we get from SARS, we don't we don't have many. And if you haven't used your capacity in your tax-free, uh, then now's the time. You know, you've got a few days left. Uh, you know, the, the, the tax year end is the end of February. And please don't wait. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times I get emails from people saying, yeah, I made the contribution on the last day of Feb and surely it counts. Oh. But, the money, 
the money yeah, must reflect in the investment company's <laughs> bank account. So don't wait, yeah. don't leave it to the last second. The same applies to retirement funds. So get it done now. Get get it out of your hair. Take advantage of the, of, of the opportunity. And you know, and if you want this mad rush to disappear, then you know, beginning of March, why don't you just maximize your tax-free savings there and then if you can, uh, and and get the money compounding in your favor as fast as possible, so we can, it can get that doubling I was talking about. Can I stress the importance of phasing in payments on retirement funds? Uh, just a personal experience uh, a while back. Uh, you know, despite the lessons of the great Warren Ingram, somebody I know, May last year, two weeks before markets crashed, have, you know, topped up their retirement fund and have just watched money evaporate rather than saying phase it in over time. Apparently, that's the right thing to do. It's you know whoever t- told you that's a smart person. I think that's 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 a great a great advice. I think the the <laughs> one comment though, just 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 to counter back to that, if you haven't done the contribution to the, to the retirement fund this year, don't now say, hang on, you know they just said I should phase in, so I'm not going to maximize my retirement fund contributions. If you've missed the boat for this whole year of of, of contributions, then please do the top up anyway, because you know the the, the likelihood of the market crashing again, you know, at the beginning of March, it, it, it does exist. Of course, anything can happen, but I, but I, I suspect that's not the, the the big issue. So so yes, you know, r- rather do a debit order. It makes much more sense. Yeah, uh, to, to your retirement funds and your tax freeze. But if you don't, if you haven't done it this year, still take advantage and and then you know set the debit order for next year. Okay, cool. I mean, Jeff wants to know, I want to get to Jeff's question in a moment, whether it's a good idea to start investing offshore. Um, Because you've been talking about lots of investing in South Africa, and Jeff's getting a little bit perturbed about this, getting maybe a little bit confused. Let's pick up on that one in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So Jeff's question, I'd like to start investing in shares overseas is this wise not etfs not unit trusts start investing in shares overseas that is the question answer the question Warren. answer the question uh, it, it's it's amazing the timing of the question so so I, I you know i sit in the back of my head thinking i wonder if jeff's you know been following what's been going on in, in the world of reddit and uh you know and uh, american shares where, where we've seen a few very small companies in America going, you know, their share price is going through the roof, uh, driven by private investors, uh, you know, largely through, through through forums on Reddit where they've just been, you know, promoting the shares to each other. Uh, and then all of a sudden the, the, you know, the share prices collapse, which they have to do uh, because, you know, they were driven up through through the roof beyond their value. Uh, so, so I'm hoping that that's not why Jeff wants to start investing in shares overseas. But, but so, so, Kind of big picture, very quickly. Big picture. I think overseas allocations for South Africans make sense. Uh, you know, I think all of us over time should have at the very least about 25% of our assets invested overseas. But for for most people, I think the number should be closer to 50 50% in South Africa, 50% overseas. And and so uh, you know, the the very wealthy who, who might be leaving money to their children's children, you know, that number can go up to 75% overseas. So, so you know, should you invest overseas as a principle? Of yeah, I think so. Uh, no question. Should you be buying shares? Um, uh, I think I would say I would have the same hesitation as you can hear I'm having now with with, with South African shares. I think the point is, you, you know, being a share investor makes a lot of sense. You can make a lot of money, but it does come with a heck of a lot of risk. 
and and what are the risks? Well, you know, you can buy, you know, you can buy the, the Steinoff, uh, you know, in overseas. You can buy the Enron, which went nowhere, and you know, you can buy GameStop, which you know exploded and 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 is now falling apart again. And and so the the thing to understand about shares is if you're going to do that, you have to do your homework. You can't buy based on what your friends are telling you on, in social media, but, you know, based on what you're hearing about the fam- around the famous Bri or you know my dangerous hairdresser. Uh, you, you've got to you've got to make these decisions based on solid research that you've done uh, in, in long-term investments that fit your overall financial position. In other words, it's money you can afford to invest. You don't need it right now. You can let it grow for five or ten years. And if that's the case, then potentially you know overseas shares are right for you. But but I think for most of us, and I'm including myself in this, we're not great share pickers. You know, we 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 might get the, the decisions right to say, well, let's let's get our, our allocation to shares. As an overall, you know, in, in our whole portfolio, let's push it from 15% to 60% or something like that. You know, that that overall big decision can make sense. We can say let's buy emerging markets because they look better value than than America, for example. But to say I can pick the five shares or ten shares that are going to do better than all the other shares and all the other indexes in the world, that's a really tough thing to do. So, so am I discouraging you uh, in in principle? No, but but I am saying, you know, Jeff, you've got to do a lot of work. Uh, and and don't just rely on on you know thirty seconds of research based on on a, on a tweet or a, you know a Reddit post. That that's really not going to help. Uh, I was okay. I mean, I, we've got lots of questions coming through on terminology, but I think today is a good opportunity, and it feels a bit like a, a silly question, but I think it's an important one to ask because we talk about this term rand hedge all the time, as if it's like talking about oxygen or water or other sort of daily essentials or food. Everybody knows what it means. Um, talk to me about what the term RAND hedge means. So, so RAND hedge investment is is something that gives you protection against the, the, RAND, the RAND itself. So the RAND dollar exchange rate getting worse. In other words, you, you buy, let, let's say you, you buy your investment today and it is a RAND hedge. So you, you're buying it and you, that means that somewhere along the line, you're going to be using rands that are going to be converted from rands into dollars. I'm just going to use dollars because it's the global currency and it's easy for me to remember the, the values. So you're going to buy it at, at 15 rand as the exchange rate today. And then let's assume that in a decade's time, uh, the, the rand is trading at 30 rand to the dollar. That means that if you bought a rand hedge investment, you've benefited from the rand uh, basically, you know, losing half of its value. Or, or looking at it the other way, you've doubled your the, the value of your of your money in rands because th- that's what's happened. It's gone from fifteen rand to the dollar to thirty rand to the dollar. So, so typically, how these work is it can be, let, let's say, uh, uh, a share on the JSE it can be a rand hedge. So, and, and you know, my favorite example of that would be, you know, would be a Richmond. You know, it does very little business in South Africa. It sells, you know, luxury goods all around the world, and um, mostly, you know, in, well, in a variety of currencies. Uh, but ultimately, you know, what happens is uh, you're going to get that, that investment. You're going to buy it on the JSE here with rands. But as as Richmond uh, trades around the world, and it doesn't really trade on the on the JSE, its primary stock exchange. It trades on international exchanges, especially in Europe. You're going to benefit if the rand starts to get weaker. And, and so you're, you're hedging your bets against the, 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 the falling rand on one side. And then on the other side, you're, you're taking advantage potentially of a company that is going to, to sell more stuff in hard currency in non-rands around the world. So, so that's the one way of rand hedging your, your, your investment. The other would be 
to buy, for example, we were talking a bit earlier about exchange traded funds. So you can buy an index, you know, you can buy it with RANDs and, and it'll be usually be called, so it's got a terrible name, but they're called feeder funds. And so what will happen is you'll buy, let's say the world index on, on, on an exchange traded fund provider or on the, on the JSE itself. And it will be 100% in RANDs because you're going to buy it with RANDs. And when you sell the investment one day, you're going to get your money back in RANDs. But that entire investment will go overseas and will be invested in a global uh, index that will be dollar denominated. And again, if the RAND goes from 15 to 30, you're going to benefit from that. And then you're going to benefit from any growth in the, in the world stock markets over that time frame as well. So, so you're now hedging your risk away from, from the JSC itself and away from, from uh, the, the RAND weakness. The last way would be, well, not the last way, but, but another way would be uh, feeder unit trusts, feeder fund unit trusts, which would do very much the same thing, but instead of an index, it will be a portfolio, it could be a global balanced fund or global equity fund, and you would do the same thing. Uh, and then I guess the last way would be more direct. In other words, you, you say, I'm going to actually physically take my money, go to an exchange, uh, you know, foreign exchange place, convert my rands into dollars, and then use those dollars to buy investments overseas directly. That, that's the last, you know, ultimate form of, of rand hedging where you actually convert the money out. A bit more gotcha. expensive, but more cumbersome because you've got to deal with SARS and Reserve Bank and all of those things. So, so most of us who are saving on a monthly basis or with smaller lump sums, we're going we're gonna to go the Rand hedge route of, of gotcha. exchange-traded funds or shares. Thank you. Warren Ingram, Galileo Capital.